I am Chris. And I'm Matt. Welcome to Roleplay Chat. We are two game masters who can't stop talking about role-playing games. And today we talk about building encounters environments. Yeah, and as always, I'm going to say we're going to try to focus on roleplay, but I'm not sure we're going to do it this time because combat environments don't don't uh, don't have too much roleplay in them. But we'll see. We'll see. No promises. That's guys. when the table says. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna try we're gonna try, but uh, this is more of a, I guess, a technical episode. I I hope a little bit inspiring episode where just not that we're groundbreaking here, but the thing is, <laughs> what I like to do when I create an environment is look at lists just to maybe like you know help the creative bone a, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but before we before we dig too deep into combat environments, Chris, how you doing? It's just me and you this week. Nice and intimate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm still on paternity leave. I have my amazing daughter home. Uh, had some ups and downs, but now it's going good. It's going good, and have a lot of good time with her. So, so that's great. Awesome. Cool. 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 How about you, man. Gearing up for Christmas. I mean, yeah, I guess we're gearing up, but like we put out the decorations, we we have like the five or six gifts under the tree because COVID's gonna make it hard to uh -huh. see anybody. So it's gonna be a it's gonna be a Zoom Christmas. But uh, the thing is, if everybody does that, I'm not sure internet's gonna hold up. You know, <laughs> everybody's gonna. I make... mean, my internet craps out every day at 8 p.m. <laughs> so we'll see if our recording <laughs> if our recording makes it full, or if we have to split it up into a couple of shots, but. Yeah, oh, you I went mean, to your Christmas uh, setup right now. Yeah, it's it's the same. I mean, we're gonna see my family, my parents, and that's a, that's about it. Um, I'm I'm wondering maybe if we can uh, pull off a, a virtual tabletop night with the gang, try to get something together, maybe run an improvised game or something like <gasps> that. I don't know. We'll see, or maybe we awesome. can convince somebody else to do it. Maybe Vince. <laughs> yeah, Vince, come on. <laughs> I'm sure he's listening. Come on, Vince. Um, yeah, peer pressure always works, right? That's exactly, exactly. If it's peer pressure, you have to do it. That's how that works. <laughs> <laughs> That's, we're being sarcastic right now, okay? Don't send us letters, please. <laughs> we get I can a bunch see of Twitter. Email. Yeah, just blow it up. If you want to tell me that, if you want to tell me that peer pressure is bad, contact us on Twitter. That's at and, then, and then everybody rally, rallies behind <laughs> that person, and they peer pressure you out of not doing peer pressure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man! All right, good. I don't have anything else to update you on, so let's move on. Let's go. Let's go to uh, our lives are boring, apparently. <laughs> I mean, right now, yeah. I mean, it's a lot for me. It's a lot of poop, a lot of screaming. A lot of laughs, so that's good. 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 So yeah. Cool. All right. Combat environments. Combat um, environments. Yeah. So that's a subject we've been kind of sitting on for oh a while. Oh my god! Yeah. I feel like we've been talking about it. I keep putting it in Twitter polls, and nobody votes for it, so we never do it. But <laughs> this time, I don't care. We're doing it anyway. <laughs> Just... <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and we back then, uh, back I don't know. 
or well, more than a year ago, I think we did, we had in mind of doing a three-parter for building encounters. Uh, so we did one, which is uh, called, remind me. It's called, it's called How to Prepare oh, Combat right. in a Tabletop RPG. Yeah, episode, uh, it's titled Episode 5. Uh, with the campaign diaries in there, it, it's actually technically episode 11, but uh, I'm sure if you guys look that up, how to prepare combat in a tabletop RPG. It was a good episode. It was uh, a little bit more of like an umbrella, right? It, it covered all the bases, and now we're, we're very much specifically going to be talking about the physical environment in which you uh, you fight. I don't know, Chris, if you remember exactly the things that we, we, we kind of... I mean, I... Yeah, let's not like necessarily go in details, but one of the main thing was when you build an encounter was to build it with intention. Mm -hmm. So why are you doing this encounter? Why are they encountering the, the, the this combat at that? And, and by the way, when we say encounter here, we really mean combat, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I keep saying encounter, but like obviously there's other type of encounter, but we, we mean combat here. Um, so well, why is that combat there? Is it time sensitive? What's the motivation? What's the objectives <clears throat> behind the combat? Maybe there's a puzzly aspect to it. You need to deal with multiple things at the same time. So it was more about like the idea, the concept of a combat. Here we're going more into technical stuff. You have your idea mm -hmm. and you're wondering, okay, now I need to build an environment for it. And either if you're doing theater of the mind or you have a map, whatever, it, it applies. Um, so we kind of discussed a little bit, uh, you, me and Matt, before, and we came up with very quickly with a list of things. We haven't discussed much about it. It was kind of just like throwing ideas. So, um, so I have a little list, but we figured we would use that as a springboard to have the discussion. Yeah, and it's it's we're going to try our best to be all inclusive here in terms of things to to consider when you're building your combat environment. But of course, as always, you know, we might be missing some things and there's only so much time in an episode. So we'll, we'll do our best. And if we, if we skip something that you think is important, uh, feel free to let us know and maybe we can cover it some other time in another year from now, maybe when, when we get back to <laughs> combat environments. Um, so I guess, yeah, let's, let's just dive right into it. Uh, I've got my list here in front of me, Chris. And I guess the first one on there is when you're thinking of your environment, it's to think of elevation, levels of elevation, having different playing fields to make it you know, hard to get up to, uh, to give advantage to people who are up there. So let's, let's, I guess, kick off the conversation on elevation. Why is that something to you, Chris, that you think is important to consider when uh, we prepare an environment? I think weirdly it's it's one that I when I look in books and like pre-made adventures, I feel like it's one that is very often overlooked and is a powerful one that I think mm -hmm. you and I put a lot of emphasis on. I think it's really important because it almost creates distance when there's none in terms of like getting access to someone that's a, on a higher floor is very hard and might take like a going on the stairs and it, it might mm -hmm. physically going there is difficult where shooting is basically could be a close distance so this elevation really creates a gap between i guess the range heroes and close combat heroes melee heroes uh so i think 
keeping that in mind, you can do a lot with it. Yeah, it definitely adds value uh, to the ranged heroes. Why I also really like elevation is because I almost picture elevation as a one directional flow, a one directional mm -hmm. arrow in your environment. Absolutely. So it it kind of generates this if you're up there you can go down but then you you know it's going to be harder to get back up so it mm -hmm. makes the players think of is it worth going down there or is it worth wasting my time not wasting my time is it worth my time to go climb all the way up and go go the long way and, and usually when i think of including elevation i don't just think of having like a ladder that gets you to the top but rather i like to think of uh like a slope that you've got the the very sharp edged elevation on one end, but then there's like a slope that makes it easier to get to maybe on the other half of the map. So getting up there is either a struggle, like you're doing an athletics check or, or, or an equivalent check to like rock climb up, or you can, you can take the long way around, but maybe have to go through more enemies or other obstacles or things like that. Yeah, and it becomes very easy in that situation also to do bottleneck to like have only one way to efficiently go up. Like you could climb and it's good to have multiple ways, like you said, uh, but like this slope you're talking about could be very narrow and create the bottleneck. Mm -hmm. Or if it's just stairs, then you fight in the stairs. And anyway, there's a lot to do with elevation. And also it's, it's kind of a good game master trick when you want your villain to do, to, to be, far enough away to not just be like rushed and die so that could be a good time to do some exposition where you can do a little bit of dialogue while the combat is going because you're you're behind uh, some like bodyguard on top of a of a balcony then you're you're pretty sure he's going to be able to say at least a couple of lines you know <laughs> that's good see there you go we got some role play sort of yeah exactly <laughs> in the first one good good job chris <laughs> and, and we, sorry go, go no go ahead. i was just gonna say like we we figured also a good like we we're giving examples here uh but in order to kind of present this in a synergistic way i don't know uh we we figured we would take two examples uh and we would add those elements as we go uh to see kind of like how it's done or at least how we do it um so we figured we'd have an example that is more like in the wild, so what we'll call a wilderness example. And in this example, uh, we'll say that we've already went through the first episode, like the setting up the objective, mm -hmm. and the heroes, the players are coming on a ritual that they need to interrupt uh, in order to avoid the big monster to come, like a demonic incantation or whatever. And they also need to save the captive that are there for sacrifice. So we'll say that this is the wilderness, you know that they want you want them to come there's a ritual potentially save as much as many people as possible so that'd be our wilderness example yeah and then another example you know to kind of have a reverse maybe a more uh, in the city or in a in a village an example that you can use in a more urban environment we figured we'd also throw in uh the situation where you guys are thieves and you're in a you're in a, a nice big monastery or church of some kind and you're trying to rob the artifacts of this of this church but the guards catch you during some kind of mass or something let's say the guards catch you in the act and now they they you enter into combat with these guards so your objective is to make it out 
unscathed. And some of the alternate objectives that we, you know, you could consider are, are finding some of the treasures, uh, trying to steal from, from the church or, or, or what have you. So that's uh, the second example. And now, like Chris mentioned, we're going to go through our list of, of things to consider when you're building your combat environment. And we're going to, I guess, give you each of those things in these examples. So Chris, what would be, a, I guess we talked about some outdoor examples, but in, your, in this example of the wilderness uh, ritual, what would be an elevation that you could foresee including? I think I think right there is, is, is interesting because you can give a height adventure advantage or disadvantage here. So if you want to give an advantage, you can have the players come upon this ritual from a high uh, high point mm -hmm. uh, on top of a boulder, on top of a of a hill where they can really see from above, and it's really hard for the enemies to see them. But on the other way, if you want to change it and have the enemies on top of a hill where from their vantage point, it's very easy to see all around, then it becomes very hard for the players to just rush them and ambush them. So depending on how you want to balance this encounter, uh, this is going to have a massive effect. Yeah, and I, I could really see this being like a, a big final boss type encounter right if there is, if it's at the top and you're trying to build up that tension oh they're chanting they're singing they're killing one sacrifice at a time but there's a dozen of them it, you can really ramp up the that tension so putting them at a higher elevation that the player characters have to work their way up to can definitely help feed into that you know, with, the, with the spooky music playing um, yeah, and, and just something I want to mention before we move to the church example is I, it makes me think of an example I've, I've ran like this where they came upon from a higher uh, vintage point and they clearly had the advantage. But what they didn't realize is from because they didn't recon everywhere is that one of them jumped this elevation point, let's say on the right. And there there was some hidden enemies because, you know, when you're on top of a cliff, you don't necessarily see the ones that are not right at the bottom of this. I say cliff, uh, very small cliff. Uh, so you can even use this positive elevation as a way to hide other people. Yeah, absolutely. And now let's, I guess, move on to the to the church example. You know, indoors uh, elevation is a little bit more straightforward. You can have things like indoor balconies. In a church, I'm, I'm picturing, you know, you've got the organ room, maybe higher up top. You've got the... You've got the altar and things like that also usually at a, at a higher elevation. So again, depending on how accessible you want that elevation, th those higher levels of elevation to be, you can format the church in a certain way to have the elevation in the middle of the space or on the extremities of the space. Uh, in this particular example, if you're trying to make it hard for the for the thieves to get out of the church, I would... I would specifically make the elevation points at the extremities and have, you know, guards with arrows or things like that in those spaces so that the player characters have a harder time removing those threats and escaping the church. Um, yeah, that's very interesting. And, and like, they could, like, the, the, our heroes are, uh, I guess, almost villain in that case, but like, <laughs> our players could be at the on the first floor with guards, like you said, with arrows or crossbow or whatever, on the second floor, really hard to remove. Or they could be stealing from the second floor. Maybe the office they're looking for is on the second floor. And then they arrive outside and there's 
guards that are on the same floor as them, but they need to go down. So they can either go through them to the stairs at the behind the guards, or they can just jump down directly mm -hmm. to the first floor. And then they have to manage like, okay, what am about I our cleric? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, am, yeah, I yeah. Make, am I making a scene? How do I jump down without being heard or seen by by other guards? Yeah, that that's really cool. Or exactly what you said, if I have a heavy armor, am I am I really jumping down a whole flight of stairs or a, off a balcony? But cool. All right, great. So I mean that I think that sums up elevation. Yeah, I mean obviously all of these examples. There's a crazy amount like i don't want to say infinite i'm very careful with the word infinite but there's <laughs> a really big amount of different variations you can you can you can do so this is just inspiration inspiration here elevation super useful has a big effect if you're just looking at your uh what is it cr level uh in dungeons and dragons it's like your your your, your point system for your villains or whatever it just this might affect it a lot so yeah that absolutely you want to go sure, for the set? I'll kick off the next yeah. one. So the the next one is to think about in your environment objects and things that the player characters can interact with, and interact. You know, I explicitly say interact with because I mean interact with in any kind of in any kind of way. Uh, push around to create obstacles. Grab and throw at people things that can that can break that the players can you know shoot down the chandelier so that the chandelier falls on somebody it, you know really create and 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 um instill your space with doodads and doohickeys that the players can use their imagination to mess around with and i know i said it was going to be hard to think about role play but this is another example where role play or or you know, creativity of the players and their characters can really shine through when you give them interesting things to, to toy with and play with during the fight. Because, you know, between you and I, it's it's not that interesting to just always be casting Magic Missile over and over again or, or Ray of Frost if you're the Wizards. Sometimes you want to play around and see if you can create a tactical advantage for your team by manipulating the environment that's around you. Yeah, so if we take our example, I don't know if we want to do always like me wilderness or if we want to switch. Or oh, what, if you what. whatever you're feeling inspired to talk about. <laughs> I mean, let's go. I mean, let's go with wilderness. Like, if you're in the wilderness, maybe it's not purely the wilderness. Maybe there's a log camp and there's a bunch of logs that are like put all together, and you feel like if you cut the rope, it might like fall on the enemies. Or obviously, it could just be like a tree that is like almost falling, or it could be a tree that's directly on the on the ground and you think with pushing or pulling you can do something with it i uh, i don't know i mean obviously there would be rocks boulders again with the elevation you could you mix uh, those together to be able to do something like that um what else could be done in the wilderness in terms of i mean the ritual might have also objects like it might have um skulls or there might mm -hmm. be I don't know. Help me it might, I mean, it might tie into the to, into the objective too, right? Like yeah. maybe some of these objects are needed to efficiently perform the ritual. So if the players figure that out and they destroy them, it uh, it makes the completion of the ritual impossible. 
another thing that I like to interact with is, is often flammable substances. So if you know, m maybe part of this ritual is some kind of vial, a big vial of, of oil or, or, or some substance and they're pouring it in, lighting flames, and then they set it down off to the side. You know, if you create these almost like chemical, things that can react chemically to, to fire or, or you know, a flash freeze or what have you, when you, when you introduce these kinds of systems that can be interacted with in your environment, it creates, uh, it, it creates a lot of cool possibilities for your players to kind of toy with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and a little bit like you said with the ritual, uh, there is a possibility that the ritual is based upon an object, a dagger that needs to be like to be used to sacrifice. A uh, one of my example in one of my games, it was a painting uh, who was clearly part of like the process. Then mm. they proceed to remove this painting. I remember actually with your game, this example. Uh, I did one that's a bit like that in the wilderness, and one of the players used their pet bird to grab the knife out of the, the person doing the sacrifice. And that was like one of the big moments of like, he was about to kill, there was no way to get there in time, but the bird just managed to like, you know, like the role of animal handling and everything. And it was it was crazy. And then, then the, the creature who had the dagger turns around and is not happy <laughs> with the heroes. Uh, so that's kind of an up an object, I guess, you can interact with, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, maybe I'm going to throw in another completely unrelated example to the two that we're, we're going with. But I, I really like in, in the game that, I'm, that I've been running, uh, the, the, the pirate campaign, I really like a pirate ship as a combat environment because of the mm -hmm. amount of things that can be interacted with, right? You've got the steering wheel to steer the ship. Like, the whole ship can be interacted with. Um, but you've also got cannons and cannonballs and rope everywhere. Uh, you've got perhaps swords and, uh, you know, old black powder guns lying about in the cabins and you have sleeping quarters in, in your particular boat. You've got your like, uh, almost like a laboratory of science things. So like th there's really so many quote unquote solutions to the problem that is combat. Uh, th yeah, yeah. Th that's why I love pirate ships for, for that particular reason yeah for sure there's definitely a lot of in certain location it doesn't make sense to have that many little objects laying around but here because it's necessary to run the boat it's definitely and if we move to the church example it's a little bit like that like the church also needs a bunch of small objects yeah i mean depending on the religion because could be any kind of religion but like there's a possibility there to have a bunch of different objects for the mess or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, it's even a way to do exposition in, in that particular case, right? Exposition on that particular religion. But if I'm if I'm thinking of like the, the typical, uh, you know, Church of Bahamuth or what have you in D&D &D or, or one of the Church of Sigmar in, in Warhammer, for instance, Chris, I'm, I'm picturing having pews, having things like that in the in the church itself, you know, where people would sit, that kind of thing. Yeah, picturing having artifacts, picturing having incense and candles, a lot of candles and a lot of flammable things like drapes or paintings or, or what have you. So you can kind of mess with it in that way. For sure. I mean, glass windows uh, where you can, that these can break um, depending on what happens. Mm -hmm. um, 
I mean, chandelier, you mentioned a bunch. Uh, statues, uh, columns. Uh, sometimes columns I found it funny. <laughs> that, that might be, I, I might be jabbing it into your mouth. But <laughs> I feel like, like one out of two, or I guess 50% of the time when I put a column, someone wants to destroy it. But sometimes a column is really hard to destroy. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the kind of, uh, of things maybe you, you want to make clear in your narration that some of the objects are harder than other to interact with, to move more. Yeah, yeah. And, and actually, I think that's a good point that you're bringing up, Chris, because one thing that I think you need to be careful of if you do introduce objects, it's to, it's to be clear like to be clear and to be fair in the amount of effort it takes to interact with it and mm -hmm. the the benefit of that that kind of comes out of it right if if a player character has to do an extremely difficult role to interact with something uh and and they and the end result of that interaction doesn't come up with as good of a result as them doing something else that would have been far easier to do I don't know, maybe i'm being too let let's say the 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 barrel of fire they shoot a flaming arrow at the barrel of fire and it makes a big explosion if if you make the dc really hard for them to do that to achieve that and then the barrel isn't that flammable after all and it doesn't really do anything there was no benefit to them being creative in that way and it could actually stifle their creativity in the future so if you're going to make a dc hard make the make the 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 resulting consequence or the resulting result, I suppose, <laughs> worth going through all that effort. And if it's not going to be hard and it's not going to be beneficial, if it's not going to be that beneficial, there's I don't see any sense in making it any harder than doing anything else. So it's just trying to you know weigh the the level of difficulty to the the result, I suppose. Or, and it's that's funny because this is this is where this I'm, I guess it's a parenthesis here, but like. This is a bit different for me uh, in terms of like both of my games. I feel like in the game that you're playing it, I'm I'm trying to do that, or at least I'm trying to be open at the beginning to be like, I don't see that working that well. Uh, where in my game with my brother, which is more of a simulation kind of game, mm -hmm. uh, my if one player attempts something crazy, um, like I said, let, let's say a column. Okay, it's a big column. It's hard to to move. But at the end, it's, it's going to crash and there's a DC and the people might just move and it doesn't do much, but it took three turns to move. Um, in my game with you, I feel like my players would not be happy about it. In my game with my brother, if I just m make the DC easy or whatever, the other players will be mad at me because they'd be like, why is this working? This makes no sense. Uh, so I think there's a line there of like, balancing this dc effect and i would say the other factor is communicating it to your players because that's why i've been sometimes uh, i fall short in the past is i let the, my players try and try and try but at the same time it's i i don't know exactly when to jump in and actually it reminds me of last week's game in uh, our friend alex game where it, was it was it you? I think it was you, right? Who was playing with the barrels? Yeah, yeah. It was yeah, clearly yeah. like you could have moved up and just hit the guy to do way more damage. 
and you knew it and you just spent two rounds like playing with barrels because you wanted the barrels to fall on on the guy right? yeah well i mean I, I i feel like it creates a more uh interesting and memorable experience for me if i get to do that thing and also but, you keep your distance i guess yeah but at the end of the day if if running up and swinging my sword at the guy would have done twice as much damage, what's the benefit to doing the creative thing? Um, so, so sometimes I can feel like that stifles the creativity at a table, right? If, if you're constantly, especially if you're putting those things there, if you're putting a bunch of barrels or you're putting a bunch of rope or you're putting a bunch of flammable things and you, you, you're doing it with the expectation that the players are going to interact with it. I'm just saying as a warning, Try not to make that the DC check disproportionate to the benefit mm -hmm. is, is all I'm saying. Mm -hmm. For sure. All right, let's move to the next one. So uh, the next one we want to talk about was lighting. So this is, I mean, in the Indian and most role-playing games, there's lightning um, rules for darkness, you yeah. know, like having dark vision and stuff like that. So it's nice if it has an effect, you know, uh, sometimes at least. So, I mean, it's pretty easy to to see how to do that. Like in my wilderness example, well, if you put it during the night, then maybe the people doing the ritual have like candles and dim lighting and you can see them very well, but they can't see you. Mm -hmm. um, or maybe in, in the ritual, it um, summons a darkness. And when you come in the ritual to try to like disrupt it, then it's total darkness. So how are you going to manage? How are you going to deal with this? Shooting becomes a lot harder. Uh, yeah, lighting is a lighting is an interesting one, especially I think because now we're playing. Most people are playing in a in an environment where they're playing online. Uh, Roll twenty and a lot of these, you know, Roll twenty equivalent websites. Ground, yeah. yeah, they they have this kind of stuff built in, right? Where you can have the fog mm -hmm. of war, where you can you can really take advantage of the lighting and, and only show what, uh, what the players see. And I think that that's something that we should be taking advantage of as game masters. You know, we're forced to be using these tools right now, so we might as well take advantage of them, um, especially because there's so many rules baked into it, like in D&D anyway, there's so many rules baked into lighting. So many, so many races have dark vision or, or, can see like black and white in the dark and that kind of thing. So I, I think, it, yeah, it's I think it's, to consider. it's a good point. And if you're willing to play a little bit more, there's dynamic lighting in those apps. And this is pretty cool. Like if you have a torch and you move your character, it's going to adjust what you see. Mm -hmm. So this, this is definitely something I haven't experienced with it, but I've, I've looked into it and it looks pretty cool. So, uh, so yeah, but even if you're not doing this like roll twenty thing, it's still interesting. Even just for mood, it's gonna have an effect potentially um, on how you present the combat. Yeah, and and you could make it um, like I, I'm I'm thinking of easy ways to do this outside of of the apps and stuff. Like you don't have to necessarily hide parts of the map to simulate. Excuse me, to simulate poor lighting. Right, you, you can do that in your descriptions, like you're saying, Chris. When they ask you about the enemy that they see, you can you can say, you know, you don't actually see their emblem on their on their robes all too well. You can't tell, but you can see them chanting. So you can kind of 
use it as the flavor for for the game in another sense i maybe i'm go, i'm kind of steering away from the combat so i'm gonna try to bring myself back to it but it's just something else to keep in mind mm -hmm. so what about the church the church you mentioned candle previously uh there could be a, a way of like i don't know the altar is very bright but the rest of the room is dark yeah yeah i i also imagine the guards having good lighting i imagine the in this in this environment in this combat you know you're trying to steal artifacts i presume some of these artifacts are in like display cases well lit but i presume that other ones are maybe in an office somewhere in the in a desk that's unoccupied so you can kind of play with those expectations a little bit to make some of the things front and center you've got the you've got a replica of the hammer of sigmar or whatever in the middle of the room all lit up and if they steal that thing they're walking away with a lot of like a, a plus prize but they could also go to the back room and and steal the offer like from the offerings box where people like donate you know small copper pieces to light candles and that kind of thing so you can kind of play with that this really gave me a like an aladdin kind of where where he comes and there's the there's the <laughs> lamp and there's the spotlight on it it's like this is the like you could steal a lot of things but this is the one you want yeah yeah exactly and if you got you got a little monkey buddy helping you out <laughs> stealing the lamp. <laughs> good great so that's yeah that's lighting um the the next the next item on our list is to think about the distances in your space so by distances i mean i think that's exactly what we mean right we, some combat can happen in a small environment with a lot of elevation and that generates distance like we mentioned before but you could also have distance very much in the a wide open field or a very large environment and it has interesting effects again because you can consider the weapons and the effects and the abilities of your player characters and how that can interact with the enemies that they're fighting um you know they can see the enemy but they can't shoot at him because he's too far away or, or they can they can gamble you know they're just outside of the range if i move forward and make myself vulnerable i can i can hit him so it's uh can the distance can help in the like risk reward i don't know if that's making sense I'll, i'm gonna pass it to you chris I'm myself <laughs> running out of well i think it's a little bit like i mean distance is a little bit like elevation but i think it's again something i tried to consider depending on the challenge i want to give to my player so so for instance if i feel like my melee fighters have been very like good in combat lately and my range fighters I say fighters, but like my main, my my uh, range heroes or players have been kind of like not doing much in combat. Then I'm gonna put big distances, and then there's volleys of like goblins are shooting volleys of arrows. So and there's three turns of running before or whatever the range of a goblin arrow is. But like if there's a while to like close the distance, um, then and then you can bring elevation on top of that if you want to even even more in the advantage of of range. And on the other hand, <clears throat> on the other hand, there's uh, you can have distance very close if you want to. Maybe maybe your wizard is a blue wizard uh, and he's never getting hit, 
So maybe you need to like close the distances so that it's easy to attack. So you cannot just run away, right? Uh, but like, like in a cavern or a close, uh, just corridors where it gets really claustrophobic, uh, claustrophobic, claustroph whatever the word is. Claustrophobic. claustrophobic. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Uh, I'm French Canadian again. Um, so, uh, and, and depending on the system you use, I'm not sure, I don't think DD does that, but like, you could go so small uh, that even fighting with a two-handed weapon becomes problematic. So if you have like a big barbarian who fights with a two-handed axe, uh, I know in Warhammer there's rules for like, mm. if you're stuck in a tunnel, good, good, good luck swinging that thing. So it becomes daggers, it becomes like really like, I guess spells, some spell casting works too, but um, so you can even control that. I mean, I'm putting that in distances. It's also kind of obstacles, but yeah. That's uh, no, I, I like that. That's an interesting distinction. Because um, I, I, when I think of distance, my mind immediately goes to big distances. Mm -hmm. I, I like to picture the big fight with the horde, you know, and, and we, we talked about making... Uh, thinking about the player characters, I think we also need to think about the enemies. Oh, yeah. We alluded to it, but, you know, if you're having a boss fight and you want the boss to be far away, if you want to have a horde and you want you you want to have a lot of enemies to, to make this feel like, you know, they're really going into the lair of the goblins or the, the whole bunch of, like, rat men or what have you, you, you need to have a big space to accommodate for that. Or, I mean, you don't need to, but it, it, it d definitely generates this feeling of like, you know, I'm fighting hundreds of these small skeleton monsters and I'm a, I'm a, I am a hero and you can see them like rushing down at you to kind of generate that. You need to have the distance and the visibility and the, the, the environment to enable that. Yeah. And another thing we're talking about weapons a lot, but abilities, there's a lot of area of effect. So if you have your main villain or like one of your of your uh, creature who, if you're within, I don't know, 30 feet, you suffer, you need to do a wisdom check before attacking or whatever it is, then again, depending on the location you create, it's going to have a big, it's going to make a big difference. So if you're in a small cavern, everybody's always in that, in, in that area. Or if it's a big plane where they can just stay out of it and it's no not not a big deal, uh, it's going to make a big difference. So, again, considering that, yeah, we, this one's kind of small. I don't know. You want to take it, and we can. You can also take the next one. It's it's not. I was actually going to. I was going to switch it. So we I, let's put it all together. So we're going to talk about uh, obstruction a little bit. So yeah, uh, I'm going to go because we've been talking about this like closed quarters thing. I've been saying, you know, it's kind of blocking the way. Obviously, it could be also other things that blocks the way. We forgot our examples. Oh, we totally forgot our examples. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Let's okay. go back to distance. So uh, I guess distance in the outdoor space, I think that's more obvious. You're in an outdoor space. You can make it as what? Like you can make it on the, the sacrifice can be happening in an open field. It can be happening uh, in a hilly environment. It can be happening. Uh, you know, at the edge of a forest, create cover for the players to go behind. But in the front end, it's it's open and and there's a lot of visibility. So the distances 
can play to their disadvantage, right? Because they can't reach them. They can't shoot mm -hmm. the arrows because they're too far, but they can at least see them. So there's kind of a little bit of both uh, pros and cons there. And yeah, I picked the easy one by picking the outdoor one. So I, I don't know. I think churches, I, I think, I, I think for me, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll cheat a little bit on the church here because I think in our setup, we say you're rubbing, rubbing a church and now the guard saw you. Now what do you do? But where do the guard, it, obviously there's going to be stealth check and everything, but like, mm -hmm. let's say they fail. If they fail in this big open space when they're in the middle of the the the, the, the mess, um, then it's maybe a big one. But maybe they also get caught when they're in the back room of the priest, and there's three guards, and then the three guards are fully armed, and then they have to fight it. And one of them is a ranger. One of the 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 the, 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 the robber is a ranger, and now you're fighting close quarter against like fully armored, mm -hmm. maybe that's not what you want, right? So uh, I guess depending on where you are in the church, and obviously the church could be big or small, uh, but even where you are in the church will make a big difference in terms of those distances. Awesome. All right. So ba back to what you were saying, Chris. What yeah, I was just saying like blocking. So anything that blocks away, right? So let's, I'll go back to the example right away, like in the wilderness, trees, if there's trees, it's going to block the way you can you can get cover behind it it's also going to make it so that you can't always just go in straight line to your enemy charging might be a problem uh, if you're on horses or you have a chariot it might be difficult also uh, mm -hmm. so anything that blocks uh, certain things might uh, definitely give some more interesting movement in your combat yeah and these kinds of obstructions that create difficult movement could also create cover can also create advantage for the people behind it be it your enemies or the player characters so you can think of creative ways to incorporate cover especially if you've got big distances especially if you've got you know wide open spaces it's not as fun as if you had things for them to to turn over and hide behind or or like columns that they can dance around to to stay protected. So it's definitely something to consider. Uh, partial cover as well, you know, things like counters, things that they can peek over and under to, to attack can create a very defensible space. And if you don't want it to be defensible and you want them to be moving and running, then you, you maybe include less cover in your environment. Um, and again, some of those might be necessary for some of your players. If you have a rogue who has to hide if you're fighting, mm -hmm. I remember watching Critical Role and they were fighting basically in a plane of snow and the rogue decided to try to hide in the snow because there were <laughs> nothing. Anyway, I won't, I won't go into details of what happened there, but like putting those place to hide might be necessary for a rogue. Uh, it might be also beneficial for a ranger, so keep that in mind. And uh, that you talked about difficult terrain too. Uh, difficult terrain yeah. has the effect of affecting this movement and also it's again kind of like between the obstruction and distances again because this difficult terrain creates melee distance without being range distance that's what it does right so um so again uh, with elevation and distances difficult terrain can be used in a similar way yeah and I, the reason why i like difficult terrain is because it can be varied you can you can make 
we say difficult terrain, and a lot of you who play D&D are immediately going to think of like, oh, it has your movement speed, that's it. But, you know, try to be more creative in your difficult terrain. Can people get caught in it? Can they get entangled in it? Uh, do they get hurt walking through it? Do they take on uh, certain effects? Like, do they get start to burn? Do they get poison? Maybe they don't realize they get those effects right away, and then a couple turns later, they start taking poison damage, and they say, oh my god, it's from going through that barbed, you know, mm -hmm. that barbed plant. Nobody else go through that. It's gonna, it, it makes a big difference, or what have you. So, so you try to be creative in, in the way that your difficult terrain, or I guess your obstacles, we should call them obstacles, really, um, you know, the effects that they have on the player characters and the enemies and things like that. Yeah, they could deteriorate uh, equipment because it's acid. Uh, it could be, uh, I don't know, it could also be changing. And keep in mind that all of these elevation, there could be some break that happens in the middle of combat. And something that was a steep, steep cliff becomes um, rocky and then it becomes difficult terrain. Yeah. Um, wind, so. I like wind for that, especially if you're mm -hmm. if you're going for... Uh, changes right you can you can have the wind blowing one way because you're in a big hurricane of a storm and then it changes or, or mm -hmm. it stops and then it starts up again and goes a different way and and by doing that your obstruction now becomes a little bit more dynamic yeah and now we're kind of like going into these like dynamic example of movement i guess uh that could be obstructing or it could just be part of the part of the I guess the location so you're talking about wind uh flowing water is also one that is interesting if I remember you as a, a blue wizard you have a lightning strike mm -hmm. and there was a and so let's let's add a, let's take that as an example for wilderness in the wilderness you could have a little like flow of water where when the creature walk in it's difficult terrain so they're a bit slower getting to you you could use that to your advantage, or I guess it could be disadvantage. But there's possibly for creative uh, thinking, like you did, you shot a bunch, um, a lightning, lightning yeah. in the in the in the water, and it basically attacked multiple people at the same time. Yeah, flowing water is is great for that, and it kind of covers one of the other like the things that we talked about earlier, right? In interactable. Uh, components so not only does it generate this dynamic space difficult terrain an obstruction and all that but it, it you know if someone has electric powers if somebody has uh fire powers it's a detriment to, it could be it could be a detriment to them um other things that can be dynamic is to i, I mean if you're playing like a steampunk or a, a more futuristic thing you could have things like floating platforms or gears turning you know, if your environment is too static, you're, you may run into the problem of just the player characters and the enemies are like in front of one another and all they're doing is attacking one another. Like to me, that's the, that's the like the worst case scenario for a fight, especially if you've planned this big space with elevation and things. But for whatever reason, the players and the enemies now find themselves like just head on and all they're doing is attacking one another that's like the worst case scenario so you you want to try to introduce things that spin around and move and and, and force the fight physically to 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 move about 
in addition to having all the other stuff like your objectives and all those things, uh, changing circumstances that, uh, you know, it's, it's not really part of the environment, so we're not going to get into it. But if your environment also enables like the spreading out the fight and, and moving things about, I, I think it's it's uh, good to try to include. Yeah, and and this for me, I mean, you mentioned it a little bit here, but you like for me, I see this as <laughs> I, I I think Matthew Mercer calls it layer actions. Uh, so it's sometimes you, you there's I call it events. So for example, on the uh, one of our encounters on the top of the mountain, there's a big creature you guys were fighting going there to kill it. Um, there was a lot of wind. Like you said, it affected some some things, but also there was lightning that's going to strike at round one, and then that's going to make boulders fall. So you can hit be hit by boulders. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess now I'm moving all around, like I'm getting lost in all of our examples. But like having this dynamic change because now you have boulders, and you have obst obstacles that were not there before, and then there was starting to be levitation because it was kind of like a magic fulcrum. So now there's a point randomly chosen that is just levitates. Sometimes it's a rock that rises. Sometimes it's a player. Sometimes it's an enemy. Um, and then this creates the elevation in a strange way, I guess. But uh, so all of these uh, changes can be decided in advance or can be randomized as the combat happens. So, OK, let's focus maybe a little bit here. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I guess. Sorry, maybe I'm not going to focus, Chris. But, oh, don't focus, man. <laughs> but I mean, I, I guess what you know, really, when we when we say dynamic environments, I, I think it's just trying to introduce movement or change or or things that it's out of the control of the player characters, perhaps even out of control for the enemies. Um, and by doing that, it, it adds this added layer. Um, you could also make it in the control of, of somebody. You could have things like levers or buttons mm -hmm. that can be pushed to, to move platforms around, to, to have a drawbridge come down, that kind of thing. So you used to have an obstruction, but if you work hard, you can make the drawbridge come down and now that obstruction is, is no longer there. So it's just finding ways to yeah to, to make it dynamic and and i guess i'll stop there because i feel myself rambling but it, it has a lot of benefits it, it can make a fight more more engaging and more more enjoyable perfect so if we take our example now we covered the obstruction dynamic movement um so if we go to the to the church i think one maybe that is um not that might be a little bit weird is um, bystanders. So if you're in the middle of the church and there, there's a sermon and you're a robber and then you're being discovered, you have to run away. But maybe there's a crowd of people mm -hmm. trying because there's been, I don't know, like people are screaming, people are shooting crossbow or guns, depending on your, um, on your setting. And then you have to run, but maybe it's in the same direction of the bystander. Maybe it's, it's in the opposite direction of the bystander. And just by, because of that, you can almost see it like the river can be good or bad. Yeah, yeah, it can generate that 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 blockage. Um, you could also think of like magical obstructions, right? If you're in a church, maybe there's like a holy space, and 
that holy space has an effect on 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 players if they're, if they're you know I, I'm going full role play now but like if if you're a, a bad character or you lie or you you do something maybe because you're in that environment the relic starts to shine so if you're fibbing to to get away from a guard or whatever it it, it maybe that gives away your your position um and you're back to lighting good job matt there you go <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so you know you can you can think of magical obstructions as well I know we're thinking of environments, but I think magic, especially in a church, you, you could cover it. Oh, for sure. Uh, just like walls, like force wall, and you might have to dispel it. Uh, you might have to, maybe it's anchored on some glyphs that are on the wall. You might have to destroy that. Or again, creative ways to to, to, to get past this obstacle, but that's definitely, definitely one. So, um, so yeah, I think, we talked about the river and the trees and the wilderness. Let's keep it at that. In the church, we talked about magical and maybe bystanders. Obviously, chandeliers, there's uh, there's tables, there's all of these that could be used also and might block line of sight, give cover. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. For sure. So um, I guess that takes us on to the to the next piece. Um, this I think you wanted to talk about this one, didn't you, Chris? Well, yeah, but I mean, we can we can go back and forth. But like, I I already kind of touched on it a little bit when we talked about uh, what was it? I'm Elevation, to... maybe. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. we're talking about uh, danger here. Things that yeah. can do that can do damage. Uh, so if you if you think of a little bit like what you said, like um, black powder that you might want to just like throw fire in and it explodes. Might be good for you, might be bad for you. It depends on what's going on. Uh, might be uh, things that are need to be interacted to be activated or things that are just there. Uh, spikes uh, that are maybe at the bottom of a, of a slope. Uh, or you, you want to make sure you don't fall, right? Again, mm -hmm. elevation with all of these work together. Yeah, and, and I, th this was something that I thought of really, um, I don't want to say a lot, but, in one of the combats that I had you guys play in, when you fought, there was a it was like a god of fire. Mm -hmm. uh, in my game, I, I I really tied in the environment with the enemies, and maybe I'm doing a little bit of overlap with with you know another another topic of conversation. But I had the enemies when they died. Oh yeah. Become like when they died, they became an environmental hazard because they would blow up after a few rounds, and they you know so that kind of environmental hazard that kind of danger it whether it's an enemy doing it or not creates something interesting because again it creates this obstacle that the players can interact with uh things like lava or spikes you can make the characters or you can't make the characters but you, the characters may start to think about okay i'm going to try to avoid that space because it's dangerous or i'm going to maybe uh try to lure people towards it and push them in or, or find a way to use this uh, dangerous environment to my benefit, uh, which, which could be kind of neat. Um, another thing to think about too is like danger that will only become dangerous when triggered. So things like, you know, in the outside, if, if we're talking about the wilderness example, maybe there's like a beehive in mm -hmm. one of the trees. Um, and it's it's not really an environmental hazard until it 
until it becomes triggered you know so, so maybe the player who's sneaking through the trees to get to the to the ritual notices the beehive and he's like oh i better not be too loud around this because if i am this this might have a bad effect on me or i can try to use it as a trap to to lure the bad guys towards it or what have you so it's a uh, you know something to something to think about yeah, this, this danger we're calling can definitely be, is strongly related to traps. But what we're saying is it could also be just obvious that it's there, mm -hmm. but in combat, then it becomes something useful or maybe, uh, um, one of the, one of the, 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 the danger, I guess I, I'm, I'm proud of that I used one in the sewers was, um, that was holes and it was flammable gas and, I, because it was in the dark, I was expecting people to come with torches. Some had dark vision, but like I figured some of them might have torches and it was going to explode. If you failed your, I guess in D&D &D would, be, would be called nature check. Mm -hmm. um, it's wilderness in my system, but it's you have to smell the gas and be like, what's that? Notice it and be just, oh no, this is flammable. I better not get into this, this, this room. But then it explodes, that's danger creates sound, uh, lighting, I guess, mm -hmm. but like mostly sound <laughs> yes, that like then people know where you are. Uh, so that's another thing. Danger could just be, if you activate this, you're going to make noise and be detected. doesn't necessarily need to make damage. Could be conditioned, could be stunned, could be charmed, could be well, charm, I don't know. Location charming you, I guess, but <laughs> there's probably a way to do it, but it's not a common one, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um Another another type of danger can be, like you're saying, Chris, a danger that's obvious. Um, I also like the idea of a danger that's obvious, but is forthcoming. So something that's like deteriorating. Maybe you're, mm -hmm. you're on a wooden platform and the wooden platform doesn't have a few, like, there's a ticking, oh, yeah. there's a there's a countdown here and this is going to break eventually so you better make the most of, of, of it and get in a good position for when it does break. Um, and I, I want to have the caveat here, you know, you don't want to surprise. I'm saying that this thing's going to break and you want it to be clear to your players or, or relatively clear that it's going to break and that they're going to know kind of when it's time to get away. But it can create this cool dynamic where they have to decide like, okay, am I going to jump to this side or this side of the platform? Uh, maybe there's uh, a roof that's going to collapse. C can I try to take that to my advantage or am I going to lose a treasure because all the rocks are going to pile on top of it so that that uh, alternate objective becomes unrealizable if it deteriorates to the to the point of no return yeah it's a great way to build tension uh to know like okay now we're we're on the clock to have uh, an orb go every round and then you learn that okay every three rounds it shoots a fireball uh how are we going to deal with this you know um so uh, yeah, that's a good point. I like the thing of like either something deteriorating or charging something that's going to happen in X amount of round could be known. You could know the exact amount of round. You could not know. Uh, but I think your point is very valid where you should at least allow a check for the person to notice that this platform is breaking. And like, yeah, you're in the middle of combat, but Maybe some people don't notice, some people notice, as long as you give the opportunity 
for someone to notice, then I think it's valid. You yeah, know, like, you want it to be fair, right? You, yeah. you don't want it to feel like you've you've tricked people. Uh, yeah. in, in that sense, uh, but it, yeah, it can it can definitely be it definitely be neat. Um, the the next one is, I, I'm not sure exactly. It's it's complete relationship to encounter environments, but I, I suppose when you're building an environment, you have to think about whether or not this environment you're building is like for premeditated combat. Like you know, you're telling yourself if the players enter the wolf's den, the wolves are going to fight. There's a distinction between that kind of environment and an environment where it, you know, you can just have a, have guards come across you and you, you fight the guards kind of, kind of like in our church example, you know, the, mm -hmm. the guards could initiate combat in a number of places, but the whole church is your environment. Whereas if you're entering a very specific arena, a combat arena, then that arena should be built in a certain way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Like if if uh, you enter, so I think there was something. I don't remember what edition of D and D, but there was there was one which was uh, when you do random encounter, there was a probability of encountering in its lair. So in its lair, it would not run away. Like let's say you, you fight a dragon in its lair, it's mm -hmm. probably not going to run away because you're in its lair. There's maybe his children or gold um, or, something, gold or yeah. whatever, uh, so it's not going to run away. But at the same time, it's not going to run away, so that might be dangerous. <laughs> but and and also it might have some kind of advantage. A frost dragon might be more powerful in its lair. So like your example with the wolf, the wolf in its lair might know where to hide and jump from places you haven't seen him coming. Where if it ambushes you in your camp, then, I mean, you set up the camp, there's a good way you prepared maybe for an alternative like that where you're getting attacked. So, um, and like you said, if you're the game master and you get attacked at the camp, you might be like, how do you set up your camp? Well, then you're not, like you might create some of the environment, the wilderness, the road, maybe there's a river or whatever, but it's not the same process behind it. So I think, I think considering this relation allows you in certain case to be more ruthless, <laughs> to be a little bit more mean if like if the 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 players are seeking a combat, they are seeking they're going there knowing, like the top of the mountain I was talking about, you know. Um you're going there, you know there's gonna be combat, you want to ambush, maybe tweaking the location for the person in their own environment, the 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 the, the the target, I guess, in their own environment might might affect your your um, your creation, I guess, your your setup. Yeah, it it definitely would, and and I mean, I can only speak from from my perspective, but it's it's something that I really like to do uh, in certain instances, like it, especially when I'm feeling like, okay, we haven't had combat in a while. I want to make combat, and, and for me, combat, I and I, for you too, Chris. You know, we don't like combat for no reason we don't like combat for the sake of combat so mm -hmm. i try my best when it gets to the point where i'm like okay I, I should have combat because i haven't had it in a pretty long time that i give it a lot of intention a lot of purpose and part of that intention and focus goes into the environment because i tell myself you know i'm going to build myself a really cool environment that's going to be a treat to play in for my players it, there's mm -hmm. going to be 
a way for them to flex maybe a new power that they've got, or it's gonna be it's gonna be showing off a really cool enemy that has an exploitable weakness and cool attacks that the environment kind of um, synergizes with, and it'll be fun for them to explore that synergy. So that's that's something that I really like to do. And, and in our preparation, you alluded to how it was very Zelda-ish. Yeah. <laughs> and I really like that comparison because it's true, you know, especially when I build like my, my uh, boss encounters, I picture mm -hmm. it very much like a Zelda fight. Not that there's only one, like, I don't want people listening to get um, the misconception that it means that there's only one way to kill the boss. That, that's not what I mean. But no, I, but like, I, I really have the, the imagination of like, you put the boss in the middle who is kind of like a statue at first. And there's there were a bunch of bridges. So in order to get there, you had to like get access to it. And then the creatures all around were flying and were exploding when you were killing them. And it was just like, it really felt like the environment of a Zelda encounter, even though we could parlay or we like there was a the whole RPG wrapped around it. Yeah, ex exactly. So it, it, it kind of I, I take some inspiration from that. I, I like to think of the environment as more than just an environment and as part of the like combat experience, if you will. And and that's part of the reason why I love building combat environments so much because it, it mm -hmm. all kind of goes together. But anyway, I again I, I feel myself rambling. So let's go to our examples. Um let's think about that and, and i feel like we actually forgot to do, did we do our examples yeah. for the last one no we we didn't but i figured we would do two at the time so okay uh, cool. so um wilderness wilderness uh obviously the ritual could be in the lair of the let's say it's goblins then you they might know that this thing is exploding this is just food so but they're going to use their environment, their knowledge of the environment against you. They might not be affected by difficult terrain because it's their environment, stuff like that. Um, so that's the relationship between the enemy and the environment. And in terms of a danger bomb, well, I kind of said it, right? There could be, they know where the bomb is, where there could be a bomb. There could be spikes. Uh, they could have traps there. They can just like activate the lever and they know that, danger activates yeah, or, you yeah. Know, and even the the ritual itself uh is sort of like one of these time bombs right if, if mm -hmm. it goes on for too long if they're gonna succeed so you can and i think we alluded to that at the beginning so it's it can be part of that um okay good so that that's that and and i guess for the for the church one the dangers in the church i'm actually I mean, I, I presume the, the longer the guards look for you or the louder you are, the more guards there will be. So you could kind of play with that uh, that that time bomb or that reverse time bomb. Almost. Or reinforcement, right? Like if you stay yeah. and there's a bunch of guards fighting you and they're screaming to get reinforcement, you know that fighting them to the death might not be the key of this encounter because there's going to be a bunch more coming after. So maybe you just need to, to escape. Um, in terms of bombs, I mean, you could always find something. I, I, the building could go on fire. Uh, yeah. Could like maybe someone pushes um, candle the bystander, and then you, you talked about, and even in the prep, you're the one who mentioned like burning buildings, right? <laughs> uh, the candle could fall, and the drapes could catch fire, and then you see like 
in X amount of rounds, maybe you say it, maybe you don't, that the, the church is going to be in a bad shape. Again, uh, that may be implying a wooden church, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, th these kinds of dangers, I suppose they're more, uh, I don't want to say more appropriate in uh, less, because you want it to be appropriate for the environment it's in also, yeah. right? So, you know, if you're in a church, that's frequented by a lot of people there's not going to be lava <laughs> <laughs> well i mean i mean maybe there could be like an altar the God, right? or something yeah there, there could be an altar there could be there could be the, a danger there but it's not going to be as you know accessible as if you're in a in a goblin's fighting pit like it's 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 different so i, I guess that's mm -hmm. that's a caveat for you guys listening to consider you know don't just put spikes for the sake of it because chris and matt told you to make, make sure it's appropriate um but but yeah we, the guards i like the reinforcements one and then in terms of the the premeditated combat and the, the the layer effect i see this church these guards know this place the, oh, yeah. the priest knows this place they know where to look for the treasures right if if they notice one's missing and they sound the alarm and they lock down the church well, they're gonna go and look at all the other places where there's valuables to make sure they haven't been taken. So, so they know, they know that they're gonna be guarding those spaces. So, just keep that in mind in this example. Yeah, they might have access to a room at the back that's like a panic room of some kind where they can just bring stuff. Or maybe, maybe you're not there to rob. Maybe you're there to assassinate someone. Well, they're gonna grab the person and bring them in the back room where after that is gonna be super hard uh so because they know exactly where to go they know the secret passages that are maybe again i don't know if there's an i guess in the church there's some secret passages probably um i, I really like um there's this analogy someone made on twitter once that i thought was hilarious they, they said uh guards know the place they're guarding like ikea staff know ikea <laughs> <laughs> so like you know, there's all those like little secret paths you can take to like get through IKEA really fast. But if you just meander through it, it takes you forever. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's how guards know this church, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that, and I think there's a tendency, and I'm I'm putting myself in there uh, to make guards stupid. I I tend to be guards like I'm there and I don't move and oh, and sometimes you have to make them stupid, especially for like prison escapes. It becomes a little bit fiddly, uh -huh. um, but. But yeah, some they, they they should know they've been spending years guarding this place, right? So, um, yeah, definitely. Um, cool. Um, do you wanna maybe just something I I want to talk about? Uh, we haven't talked about is weather um, for the outside. I, again, for the inside also, like there might be a thunder outside the church, which affects mm -hmm. like you know their sound. Maybe glass is gonna break or or whatever. But weather is something we kind of gloss, gloss over. Uh, I guess it would be in the dynamic thing. Could be a, a where we talk about wind, but like. Yeah, I mean, weather is definitely uh, kind of falls in a few of the different places. It can affect lighting. Uh, it can affect, it, it can be an obstacle. It can, it can interact with the environment in an interesting way, right? You can have a big storm, knock down trees, and now, mm -hmm a part of the environment that used to be accessible is no longer accessible, rendering that space more dynamic uh, by- Living by the party. 
but yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, weather weather's a good one, and and I have another thing to say that we did we didn't include in our list, so I don't know if we're done with weather. Well, I think we might talk about weather a, a lot more in like another like episode of roleplay chat. So yeah, but in terms of environment, I think any kind of weather you can can imagine. Maybe I'll, I'll put a little uh, another example. For people who what because i know a lot of people who will listen to this watch critical role one of the latest um adventures i guess they, they went on an island uh they wanted to spoiler alert they wanted to kill uh a guy named Bokoto, and this monster was um in his lair and in his lair he was a volcano monster he could warm up the water mm. so people would take damage in his lair but attracting him out of his lair he would be a lot weaker but it's hard to do so I, I i put that in weather because this warming up i was thinking of like a dessert uh dessert desert, uh, a desert thank you yeah <laughs> i mean i'd take a dessert okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's cake falling and there's yeah no no but like in in an arid space they can like get tired as they fight maybe attrition and stuff like that yeah. so weather can definitely be uh, a factor but yeah, go ahead with your thing. Yeah, well, I mean, it, I mean, it's it's sort of related, I guess, to weather, but it, it's more about like geographic formations. I think often when we in, when we build an environment, people go to like the first few things that they know, a, a cliff or trees or whatever, and and that's where we went because it's the first thing that comes to mind. But in terms of you listening, I, I highly encourage you to look up different geographic formations to see how they can create an interesting environment. Uh, the other day when we were talking, uh, probably the summer, probably months ago now at this point, I was like, I saw, I went to a beach with sand dunes and I'm like, yeah, oh yeah. wow, sand dunes. I haven't had a fight on sand dunes before. So like, just kind of think of those weird, different uh, geographic formations that could potentially be a fun anchor for your environment. And try to work it. Yeah, into that's cool. Like I'm, I'm thinking now that you mentioned, I'm thinking canyons. I'm thinking uh, crystal cave, where this can also be kind of spikes and difficult terrain, yeah. and also like obstacles, and it might affect lighting also, uh, like blinding you or depending yeah, on, on what happens. Yeah. Covered. And caves are neat. Like you, you could maybe have like a grotto where people can be on top of the grotto or underneath, like in the water, you can create elevation that way. So, you know, physical, actual physical geographic formations are really interesting, uh, an interesting source of inspiration. There's some, especially if you look, sorry guys, I'm gonna go on a tangent. I like geography. If you look at like <laughs> weird Nordic and like at like uh, Antarctic geography, it's almost alien, like it's, it's, it's almost mm. alien some of these formations like those i forget what they're called but they're like giant bubbles they're just like these big earth bubbles that form in the Whoa. north like so so there's a lot of these things that are alien and it could it could fit nicely in like a sci-fi setting or in you know use magic as your as your <laughs> as your justification for some of these things and you could create like big bubbles of earth that blow up and cause damage if they're if they're hurt or whatnot i don't know that's cool like that yeah cool well i mean the last thing we have on our list here is we're talking about puzzly elements we kind of mentioned it in the previous episode the fact that if you have different objectives uh sometimes 
getting to achieve this objective might like understanding what you need to do could be the combat itself uh, but it kind of bleeds into environment because sometimes that's the environment you need to maybe you need to get access to uh again elevation you need access there and i'll need to move this tree over and then you affect obstacles uh you create dynamic movement so a lot of things can be put together in like this puzzly aspect of a, an environment yeah yeah exactly and i mean i go back to zelda again but zelda does it does it really well where they have uh you know these puzzles within the environment sometimes the whole dungeon is a puzzle where you're mm -hmm. like raising water levels or you're you're twisting and turning rooms around to gain access to other spaces so you know when you're designing your your combat environment i'm not saying go to that extent play zelda <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's a great game go i can't not recommend it but <laughs> But yeah, think of those puzzly elements in in your environment, like Chris said. And I and I think you know, we're kind of going long. We're a little over an hour and fifteen minutes. So I think really, yeah. Oh my God. Time so flies. Yeah, time flies when you're having fun talking about location, uh, location, dessert, location, dessert settings, right? dessert setting. <laughs> well, I mean, if you watch Dimension Twenty and uh, Crown for uh, Crown of Candy, basically what he <laughs> does, enough. right? Where the Lee Mulligan just like. Yeah, I'm sure there, there's a way, if, if you can imagine, you can do it, right? Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, I guess we can we can start to do our, um, our wrap-up. So I'm going to toss it to you, Chris, to, I guess to kick us off in terms of like concluding what we talked about today. Yeah, so um, this is kind of, again, like the second parter and the first parter of another episode we mentioned that once, like to create a, a cool combat, you need to know like what's the objective of the combat, all of that we've talked in the previous episode, but once you know what you want the combat to be, to create a cool environment, it's good to think of different things. All these things can be mixed and matched. All these things, obviously you don't wanna necessarily put all of them, um, but put the ones that are interesting and, and valid in the situation you're working with. First one we talked about, elevation, really cool uh, to create distances, where you don't really have distances, like create range distances and not melee, uh, opposite, create melee but not range distances. Elevation can do a lot of things for you. Consider it, it's very important. Another thing that we talked about is to include, uh, you know, a plethora of objects and things to mess around with for your players, to interact with, to toy with, uh, put in systems, like things that can burn, things that can get electricity run through them, that kind of stuff. It can be fun and, and can spark creativity. Then we mentioned uh, lighting. So lightning, you can consider dim lightning, darkness, uh, the fact that if there's uh, light, uh, you, you might be easier to see. Um, again, this can change. Maybe uh, there's a, uh, a, a, well, not a trap, not a chest. Um, a room where the, they keep the artifacts and when the artifacts are brought up, they just start shining bright. So it's super hard to, 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 to rob. You can do a lot of things with lighting. Yeah, and, and then we talked about distances, you know, more specifically, not just elevation, but like large scale fights, small scale fights, and everywhere in between and how that can affect uh, your enemy choice, the 
and based on the powers and abilities and weapons of your heroes, you can throw different challenges at them by varying the distance and scope of the environment. Then we talk about obstruction. So anything that blocks movement, blocks the view to give cover, uh, difficult terrain that you some maybe creatures can ignore. Um, um, yeah, obstruction in any way of line of sight, of movement is, uh, I think this is probably the go-to for most people, like just mm -hmm. you put crates, you put trees, and it's a good first step. Yeah, yeah, and, and then I guess the, the next step after that is to make those things a dynamic, so not only do they impede movement, but they themselves move, they themselves create a dynamic flow, so flowing water, uh, platforms that move about, bystanders that move in a space that create uh, a difficult obstruction, but also facilitate or hinder movement in their own way. Yeah, then we talked about dan danger, things that can hurt you. You can either, like, they could be hidden, like traps, or they could be very obvious, like just lava that's there that you need to kind of manage as you fight. And you can use them also. So depending um, what's the situation. And then we talked a little bit about considering whether or not uh, the environment is a, is a premeditated combat arena or kind of a sporadic spur of the moment place where a fight can break out. So depending on which one of those it is, you know, build your environment accordingly. Yeah, and in subsection of that, we talked about having those events or those like layer action that can happen uh, where the environment actually has almost a turn order in the initiative and something can happen there. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then, and then the last thing was to consider how the puzzles and objectives can interact with your environment. Are they, you know, is the environment a part of the puzzle, a part of the, the key to solving your alternate objective or what have you. So if that's the case, um, you know, consider including elements of the environment so the players can interact with it to fix, uh, not to fix, but to solve the puzzle. If, yeah, if you can think different. of it as an escape room, right? Yeah, Almost. yeah. Yeah, so I mean, that's, that's uh, our list of things to consider, why we think they're fun to consider, uh, the, the advantages and disadvantages of including them in your games. I'm sure we we probably missed like the most obvious one. And <laughs> if, if that's the case, or if there's something that we didn't talk about, please uh, reach out to us and let us know. You can do so by contacting us on Twitter. That's at role underscore play underscore chat. Or with an email that's contact roleplaychat at gmail.com. And I mean, today I think was not groundbreaking, but I, I like doing these because they inspire me like they, they make me think a little bit more and uh, it, it's good when you're creating a, a location for an environment and you're not quite sure what to do. Just listen to this again and I'm sure you can, as, as you create your things or paint or whatever you do, and I'm sure you can, uh, it's gonna help. Yeah, yeah, and, and please, you know, if, if you think one of your friends would enjoy the episode, please share it with them and, and let them know, you know, we're still a pretty small podcast and we, we appreciate all of the, 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 the word of mouth that you can you can give us, all the sharing and, and the positive reviews as well. I, I hate to, to, to do this because I don't like the self-promotion, but if, if you're listening and you enjoy us, please rate us uh, positively 
on whatever podcasting platform you're using. It does help with the visibility uh, of our of our show. Well, thank you, Matt. That's uh, the, the that's been a long time coming. This episode, and now we're we're and there's going to be a third parter actually to this, uh, which is going to be about the enemies. So we talked a little bit about like the enemy relationship with the environment, but just talking about enemy composition, action economy, um, the balance, but also how to make it interesting, how to build an interesting encounter and interesting combat using different types of enemies. Yeah, uh, and you know, for, for whatever reason, Chris and I don't tend to prioritize these episodes, even though they're super fun to super fun to shoot. So if this is something that you want to see come out sooner, let us know. Uh, we might we might you know put put it higher up on the priority list. So just let us know. And and if you know you're listening and you don't hear us again, you might hear us between now and Christmas. But I'm not going to promise anything. So if you you know if if this is before Christmas time or, or the holidays for you, happy. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, whatever it is you're celebrating. We hope you have a good time, you stay safe. And uh, you too, Chris, Merry, Merry Christmas. And uh, You too, safe. Matt. <laughs> you too, Matt. See you soon. All right. Uh, that, that's my that's my like blame attempt at a wrap-up. So That was a great wrap-up, Matt. Yeah? Yeah. I think so? Yeah, okay. yeah. Let's, Let's call just it a cut chat. it out. No, no, it's done. It's done. Ah! <laughs>